This evening we're in Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, and we're busy with a series on personal problems, all these counseling-related topics. Personal problems this evening, uh, last week we looked at quiet time, the word, and this evening we're looking at quiet time, prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we draw near to you again, in great need of your grace and of your help, as we come to the Holy Scriptures. We pray that the sword of the Spirit would be driven into our souls, and that you would expose sin in our lives, and that you would Put the healing balm of your word and your spirit and heal our wounds and bind up the brokenhearted that you would instruct us through the light of scripture and you would guide us in the ways of righteousness, in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Amen. Martin Luther said, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it's the business of Christians to pray. And every Christian understands that. Every Christian understands that persevering prayer, continual prayer, a life of prayer is part of the Christian life. Uh, The very first thing you see the Apostle Paul doing when he's converted is he prays. And that's a mark of a Christian. And then Jesus even taught us this, and Christians know that without Christ we can do nothing. So prayer is very important. And that is what we should learn from the life of Jesus. If the Son of God needed to pray, how much more must we pray? We're going to answer two questions this evening. First question, how should you pray? And second question, why should you pray? So let us read Mark 1 verse 35 to 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So the first question then, how should you pray in verse 35? I have a Ridgeback, a Rhodesian Ridgeback, and he's a very nice dog, but he is very intolerant of intruders. And so when my wife goes to town, I need to open the gate, but I first need to put the dog away, for in case there are people passing by. And so I need to lock the dog up. And the only way to catch the dog, because he's very disobedient, it's called... Uh, rich bag, rich bag stubbornness. <laughs> and the only way to catch the dog is you need to get food. But if you have food with you, he will come because he likes food. But if there's someone passing by at that moment and he has to make a choice between coming for the food or charging at the fence, he will charge at the fence. And so the, the dog's instinct for protecting his people, protecting his owners, is stronger than his instinct for food. And it's exactly the same when it comes to prayer. You and I will only make time for prayer if Jesus is more important to us than sleep. 
or work or television or social media or your cell phone or your busy schedule. So if Jesus is number one in your life, then nothing will stand in your way to pray. But if Jesus is not number one in your life, well, then we can solve all those excuses you give for why you cannot pray. We can sort out the sleep problem or the social media problem or your busy schedule. You will simply find a new excuse for why you cannot pray and why you do not have time. So what I'm saying to you is we must get our priorities in order and learn from the example of Jesus. What do we learn from his example? Well, in verse 21... Jesus rise very, rises very, very early in the morning. So the first lesson is, what morning is this? Verse 21, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue. Verse 29, immediately left the synagogue and entered Simon's house, the house of Simon and Andrew. Uh, that evening at sundown, verse 32, and then verse 35, very early in the morning. So this is the next morning, the morning after the Sabbath. So the lesson here is Jesus' religion wasn't limited to the Sabbath. But he had a day-to-day -day relationship with his Father. Can you say the same? Or is your religion limited to the Lord's day? Another lesson we take is Jesus prayed early. It says rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Now, the Greek word used here for morning is the same word we find in Mark 13, in verse 35, where the Jewish evening is divided up into four watches or four sections. And the sections are, it starts with night or evening, in verse 35, Mark 13. Uh, evening refers to six in the evening to nine at night. And then we find midnight, that's from nine to twelve o'clock. And then we find when the rooster crows, that is from midnight to three in the morning, and then you find morning. There's the same Greek word translated morning. And that's from three in the morning to six. And it's probably closer to three o'clock than to six o'clock because it says it's still dark and it's very early. And if you want to do the same kind of thing and rise early for prayer, you, you're going to have to be disciplined in your sleeping pattern. You'll have to go be disciplined to get to bed early enough each night. So in normal circumstances, people need seven to eight hours of sleep, or if you're an older person, eight to nine hours of sleep will be good. Uh, but you'll have to get that amount of sleep if you want to rise early for prayer. And then in verse 35, another lesson, we also see uh, that Jesus rose. He rose early. So if you're going to still lie in bed um, when you wake up, well, you're probably going to fall asleep again. So rise, like Jesus did. He got up. Get up. Uh, switch on the light. Get a, have a shower so you can be awake. Or do whatever you must in order to wake up so you're not sleepy or not tempted to get back into bed. My son the other morning, him and I go running every morning, <clears throat> six days a week, and my son, one morning he said, I said, so how was your morning? What did you do? He said, I got up at 5.30, I read my Bible and prayed, and then I, I got back into bed and I fell asleep again. And then the next morning he said, I said, so how was the morning? What time did you rise? And he said, I rose at 5.30. And then the first thing I did was to make up my bed. 
so that I can't just get back into my bed. I'll be less tempted. And so I didn't get back into bed. I had my quiet time and prayed and uh, had breakfast and so on. That, that's a good pattern. So rise, get up. Don't still lie in bed. Get up, get out of bed. And then another lesson, it says, he departed and went out to a desolate place. So he went aside. So for yourself also, find a place where you can pray alone and be alone. Matthew 6 verse 6, Jesus says, go into your room, shut the door. Uh, now you pe perhaps you can't do that because you live in an open plan house and people will bother you. Or perhaps you can't do that because there are many people living in your house and it's one small house. Well then go outside or get into a closet, sit in your cupboard or um, <laughs> go to the car and sit in the car and take a blanket and pray in the car. Perhaps you say, I've got little children, I've got small kids, I'm a mother. And my kids wake up at night, and I have to wake up at night. And so in the morning I'm too tired, I can't get up for prayer and for the word. What's the solution to that problem? Well, your husband should help you. Help you at night and help you in the day. To say, you know, I'm going to take the kids aside for 30 minutes, so mom can have a quiet time. Perhaps when he comes home at night. Now, maybe you say to me, but I'm a single mom. I don't have a husband who can help me, or... Or my husband, he's out early in the morning and back late at night. What now? Well, be like Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley lived in the 1700s, 16 and 1700s, and she would put her apron over her head. And when the kids saw that, she had 19 children. And when the children saw that, they knew the older kids must take care of the younger ones and do not bother mother. She's busy praying. And you, you can do a similar thing and make it very clear to your children, if you're going to bother me, or if you're going to be naughty in this time, there will be consequences. And you need to follow through with those consequences, otherwise they won't take you seriously and they just walk all over you. Or perhaps you can take shorter moments throughout the day. Five minutes here, five minutes later, five minutes there, and five minutes times five, well, it comes to 25. And so you've got time, or fill up the gaps in your day. And, and use, use those gaps to pray while you're standing in a queue in the shop or doing groceries or perhaps when you're on the phone holding on for the medical aid or while you're feeding the baby or while you're driving in the car or you're putting the toddler to sleep, the baby to sleep. Use that time to pray. What about going for a walk late in the morning? So at 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning, going for a walk, pushing the kid in the pram, or perhaps going for a walk when the sun sets, like Isaac did in, in Genesis 24, 63. Um, you can do that kind of thing. And while you're pushing the kid in the pram, uh, pray, pray out loud. Or just mutter under your breath and pray softly and speak to the Lord and praise God for the things that you see around you, for trees and birds and flowers and lawns and the sky and the clouds and the sun and sunsets. Pray for your children, pray for yourself, pray for your husband. And then also use the time perhaps when your kids are asleep. Like Hudson Taylor, maybe while they're sleeping during the day or maybe while they're sleeping at night. Uh, Hudson Taylor, when everyone was asleep, there's a single room and he's got no other place for his devotions. He would f strike a match and light a candle. and He would spend the time reading the word and time in prayer. Well, what if you're in a situation where you've, you've got a, an unbelieving spouse, not a Christian, and quite hostile to Christianity, and he simply will not give you time to pray, and he will, he, while you're busy with your devotions, 
put up the volume of the television and put up the volume of the radio to spite you and you cannot, you've got no quiet. I think in those moments, remember Christians in jail, Christians in persecuted countries, persecuted for their faith, and they in one cell, they're in jail with 15 other people, 10 other people in one cell, and they have nowhere to go for devotions. Well, you can still be quiet in your heart, even though there's noise around you. You can be quiet in your heart and call upon the Lord. Do what Jesus did. Jesus hid the word in his heart. Remember, when it says in verse 35, he goes aside to pray and he's, he's talking to his father and listening to his father. Remember, he doesn't have a copy of the Bible like you and I do. There was no copy of the Bible. You've got scrolls in the synagogue or scrolls in the temple. So where does Jesus find the word? He's hidden it in his heart. And so he meditates on Scripture and he prays. And you and I should meditate on Scripture till it burns in your heart and, and it automatically and naturally leads into prayer. You meditate on the word day and night, Psalm 1 says. Because if you don't do both, the word and prayer, well, without the word, your prayers will be empty. And without prayer, the word will be cold, and dead and cold to you. And so you need both. You need the word and prayer if you want a vibrant and a living relationship with the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you wish and you shall receive it. So there you have the word and prayer. And then also if you, if you want to grow and have healthy growth, spiritual growth, then you have to pray. You have to pray like Jesus did in the following ways. And I'm taking this almost exclusively from Luke's Gospel. Here and there I'll take something else, but you see that Jesus prayed often, regular prayer. Luke 5, verse 16, He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. You cannot be knit one, slip one like a first grader's teeth. You have to pray regularly. And then we see that Jesus fasted, fasting, to strengthen your prayer life and to strengthen your walk with the Lord, like Jesus fasted in Luke chapter 4, first 13 verses. So by fasting I mean you leave something for a time, something that is legitimate like food or, or uh, meat, like Daniel did. He didn't eat meat or delicacies or sleep even. And in that time you give yourself to prayer. And then you decide, you decide, I want to give half a day to fasting and praying or a full day or six to six or two days or whatever. And then pray, pray more, give more time to prayer when you are busy. That's what Jesus did. Verse 35, it says he rose early for prayer. And look at the context. Verse 32, people came at sundown the previous night. To be healed. The whole city, verse 33. Verse 34, he healed many. Uh, verse 36, he's still busy praying and they're looking for him. 37, everyone's looking for you. 38, he goes and preaches. 39, he goes through all these synagogues in Galilee to preach. So he's very, very busy. Luke 5, verse 16 is in the context of being very busy. And, and so Jesus gives more time to prayer. Now that sounds like upside down reasoning. He's saying, how can you give more time to prayer if you're, more, if you're busier? Then you're too busy, you should probably give less time to pray. No, you need extra strength if you are busier, and so you should pray more. Now, obviously, your first goal in prayer is not to just get strength, 
The number one goal in prayer is to have fellowship with God, like uh, Mary in Luke 10 verse 39, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, an old Scottish preacher, Andrew Bonar, said, I see plainly that fellowship with God is not means to an end, it's the end, it's to be the end itself. That is the great goal we are aiming at, is to have fellowship with God, and not just to get stuff from Jesus when we pray. And yet, and yet at the same time, you do get wisdom and strength and grace if you pour out your heart to the Lord. In quietness and trust shall be your strength, Isaiah 30 verse 15 tells us. Um, in Isaiah 40, those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. And then also we see Jesus, that he prayed when his enemies targeted him. Luke 6 verse 11, these enemies are fuming with anger at him. They want, they're making plans against him. In verse 12, he goes aside to pray. Psalm 109 verse 4 speaks of people being against the psalmist, but he gives himself to prayer. And that's also a messianic psalm. Uh, and then also pray for your enemies, as Jesus did. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Pray for your enemies, and that will help you not to become bitter. And pray when, when you need help. Uh, pray before you need uh, to take very great decisions. Like Jesus in Luke 6 verse 12, he goes into the mountain to pray. He prays all night. Why? Because he needs help in ministry. And he's going to make big decisions and appoint 12 apostles, 12 leaders. We also see Jesus giving thanks for every provision of the Father. So before Jesus multiplies the loaves in, in Luke and the fish in Luke 9 verse 16, we see Jesus giving thanks. He blesses the the meal and he gives thanks to the Father. The one who gives thanks as his offering or as his sacrifice glorifies me. So we too give thanks for everything. Thank God for his provision. And then we see Jesus praying that his disciples may see his glory. Luke 9 verse 18, you see him praying and then suddenly Peter understands and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Luke 9, 9 verse 29 again, where Jesus shows his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. He prays before that and then suddenly the disciples see his glory. So I believe the answers to those prayers shows me what he was praying for. He was praying that the disciples might see his glory. And we, do the, we ought to do the same, especially when you come to the word of God in your devotions, uh, or in the preaching of God's word, under the preaching, where you should pray, Lord, show me your glory. Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul prays for that, 17 to 19, that God will give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened too, and then etc. You can read the rest. And then thank God. Thank God for his sovereignty in the conversion of sinners. Also in the conversion of the people you are praying for. You're praying for their conversion. Thank God, like Jesus did in Luke 10, 21. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. God is sovereign over conversion, over salvation. Thank God at the Lord's table. Luke 10, oh no, that's the wrong reference. It must be Luke 22, I think. Verse 19 to 20 where Jesus thanks before he breaks the bread. And so we should be thankful. Yes, you should, you should confess your sin. Yes, you come to the Lord's table to see that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness. But come with thanksgiving. Come with thanksgiving. And, and one of the most ungrateful things you can do is to stay away from the Lord's table on purpose, if you're a Christian. Don't do that. You come with thankfulness 
and say thank you for what you have done, Lord, to save sinners and to bring forgiveness. We also see uh, praying in dark times, as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Without running around frantically and, and being anxious, Jesus prayed. Jesus poured out his heart to the Father, and we ought to do the same. And then resting in the Father's will, knowing that he knows best. Yet not my will but yours be done, Jesus said. Reminding. Now we, I'm out of Luke now, going to John. Just one, one passage in John I want to emphasize. John 17, reminding the Father of what Jesus prayed for you and for me in John 17. For protection from the world, protection against the evil one. That our joy may be full, that we would be sanctified, that we would be made holy, that sinners would be saved. That we would have a closer relationship to God. That we would not be divided in the church. No church splits. No divisions with other Christians or fighting with other Christians. That we would be one. We would see Christ's glory. That we would have a deeper knowledge of God. And then use the Lord's prayers, your pattern for prayer. So you pray for other Christians, our Father. You pray, you, you come in prayer, and you come with boldness, believing God is your Father. He will provide and give what you ask. You come with reverence. He's your Father in heaven. You pray that your life would honor His name. Hallowed be your name. You pray for missionaries, you pray for evangelists, you pray for your pastor and his preaching, you pray for conversions, you pray for revival, you pray for missions outreach, for the unreached, for the persecuted church, you pray for the second coming, to, to come quickly, Lord, your kingdom come. You pray that you would understand his will as he has revealed it in scripture, you pray for grace and strength in order to obey what he has commanded you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You pray for your daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You pray for the forgiveness of your sins. And for grace that you would be able to forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you pray for protection from the world, the flesh and the devil. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And then you pray with perseverance. If you know from God's word, this is God's will. If you know that something is God's will, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you pray with perseverance. You pray until God answers. You keep beating at heaven's door. You keep knocking at heaven's door until God opens that door. You say to God as Jacob did, I will not let you go until you bless me. You pray as Jesus did in Hebrews 5 verse 7. Where Jesus cried, prayed with strong cries and with tears. And he was heard. And you pray on your deathbed. Like Jesus did. While dying. Father into your hands I commit my spirit. And then you know. Even if you've lost consciousness. Even if you're in a coma and you can no longer consciously pray. Then you can take comfort that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Now oh, you're listening to all of this and you say, how am I going to remember all that stuff? Go back to the notes, re-listen to the sermon and make yourself a prayer list. Make a prayer list. So my prayer list, every day, 
I pray the Lord's Prayer. I don't recite the Lord's Prayer. I use it as my pattern for prayer. And when I've done that, every day I pray for my wife and my three children. And then, after that, I divide my prayer list into five days. And so on Mondays, I pray for a number of our church members by name and, and the visitors, the regular visitors. And I pray for a number of pastors every Monday. And I pray for some family members every Monday. Tuesday, then you put a new thing. I'm going to pray for rain. I'm going to pray for the government. I'm going to pray for friends. Wednesday, you pray for certain missionaries. Thursday, and so you go. And the reason I subdivided or divided into five days is for in case you've got that very early morning and you've, you've missed getting to that list. You've prayed maybe few other things but you didn't get to your list and so then you can move from you skip day two and so you can catch up on Saturday or on Sunday second question why should you pray verse 36 to 39 now anybody who asks that kind of question why should you pray merely shows that they do not understand how powerful prayer is otherwise they wouldn't ask that question why should I pray? James says the prayer of the, 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 prayer of the, of the righteous is very powerful. A prayer is the most powerful weapon that exists. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, Paul says our weapons are not fleshly. It's not human weapons we're using. We are using supernatural weapons. We are using supernatural weapons because you're not going to stand. You're not going to stand in this battle against Satan and the forces of darkness if you use a sword or a gun or uh, airplanes or tanks. Those weapons mean no nothing against evil spirits. You need the supernatural weapons of the word and prayer and a holy life if you want to conquer the enemy. Now we look at Jesus and we see in his divine nature, Jesus as God. We know Jesus is sovereign over the evil spirits. He created them. He didn't create them evil, he created them good and they fell. But Jesus is the creator of these spirits, we read in Colossians 1. But in his human nature, Jesus needed to use exactly the same weapons we do. That's why Paul says that we take up the armor of God. Not just meaning God designed it, yes he did, but also that Jesus himself wore those, that armor. You read that in Isaiah 11 verse 5 and 59 verse 17. He took up the armor as well. The Messiah. And so we need to do the same. And we see how Jesus takes up this armor in, in this passage. Actually in verse 35 and then it goes on to verse, verse 36 to 39. Now Jesus is living in, at the house of Simon. At least he's, he stayed overnight in Simon Peter's house. In the house of Andrew his brother. Uh, Peter's brother. We read that in verse 29. And James and John, they there too. And so the next morning, uh, when sun rises or whenever they get up, they go and they see, oh, Jesus is not here. Everyone's looking for him. And so they go out and they keep on looking for Jesus and looking and looking, hunting him down, literally, the Greek says, until they find him. Verse 36 and 37. And when they find him, everyone's looking for you. It's like, hey, Jesus, you're popular. You've become popular. You're a celebrity. People are looking for you. And they're so excited about this. But Jesus is not so excited about this being a celebrity. What does Jesus do? Instead of looking for everyone and saying, Hey, you're looking for me. I'm popular. No. What does Jesus do? Verse 35. 
He seeks his father in prayer. And it's very sad that it's not often the case with us. What we do is the moment we open our eyes in the morning, we do not seek our father. We seek, oh, are people looking for me? And you put on your phone. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better if we sought the Lord first instead of seeking people first? Even, even if you've overslept, or even if you have to be somewhere very early in the morning for a meeting, it doesn't matter if you've overslept then that morning. It's much better for you, says Robert Murray McShane, to rather take the few minutes you have alone with God than saying, I'm going to have no time with God. And you see, in that way, what happens then, if you search and seek God in that way, you are hearing God's voice. And God, God is the one who determines your calendar or your diary for the day, rather than men filling in your diary. That's exactly how it was with Jesus. So Jesus, in the quiet place, when he was with his Father, in verse 35, in prayer and listening to his Father through the Word, he knew and through the guidance and through the prophecies of Scripture also, he knew what his task was. He knew, no, I'm not going to stay here for everyone who's looking for me. Verse 38, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. So the Father determines his diary. That is why I came out. He knew the prophecy of Isaiah 61. I must preach and bring good news and bring people and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and so on. The rest of that prophecy. Verse 39, he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons, not only the people of Capernaum. Now please, again, remember what I said earlier. Jesus doesn't have a copy of the Bible with him. And so his father, how does the father lead him? The father leads him every day and speaks to him every day through the scriptures that he has hidden in his heart. He had memorized scripture. You see that in Matthew 4, during the temptation in the wilderness. He quotes scripture. He's memorized it. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So let us follow the, the, the pattern of Jesus and not merely read the Bible, but also meditate on Scripture. And then ask God, lead me through these words. Lead me through the words of Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to make the words of Scripture burn like a fire in your heart. Like when the wind blows on the coals and it ignites. And then pray Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Pray Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Where the Lord says to Jeremiah, I will show, call, call to me and I will show you great and wondrous things that you have not known. Pray to the Lord, Lord, use your word as a sword and expose the sin in my heart. That I may repent of the sin and may confess the sin and be forgiven. And then also ask the Lord, Lord, place your, ask the Holy Spirit, place your desires in my heart. Place your desires in my thought. That I may pray for these desires. Psalms 37 verse, Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Not meaning He will give you what you want, but meaning that He will give you the correct desires and fulfill those desires. He will show you what to pray for. Ezekiel 36 verse 37, I will make them call on me. I will make them pray that I may increase them like a flock. So ask the Lord, Lord, show me what to pray for. Place the correct desires in my heart. Bring my desires in line with the Spirit or with the prayers of Jesus. That my prayers would come in line. And then ask for wisdom. And ask for the Lord. Lord, give me wisdom today and lead me through this day. Lead me. Counsel me with your eye on me. Let me hear the voice behind me saying, here is the way. Walk upon it. 
Isaiah 30 verse 21 speaks that way. And then ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, this day, please, please warn me. Warn me in my conscience. And you know, you think, how will I remember all these things? If you pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. If you use that as your pattern, you cover all of this. So you pray to the Lord, please, uh, please let your Spirit warn, warn me in my conscience. And would you take control of my heart and of my thoughts and my words and my deeds? And these things can only happen if you devote yourself to the Father through the word and prayer. And if you persevere in this, and if you do persevere in this, well, the Lord will change you systematically. And over time, He will change you to become a man of the word, a woman of the word, a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. And if you become that kind of person, then it will not be so easy to just walk right into the trap of Satan and fall in temptation and fall for temptation so easily and so often and fall for false teaching and be lured by the world. That's exactly what we find in this passage. So in this passage, verse 29 or 39 tells us Jesus had power over demons. Why? Because of verse 35. He spent time in prayer. Time with His Father. Now I know Jesus is the eternal God. I know He's the Almighty Son of God. I know that the demons feared Him. Verse 24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This demon says. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Yes, I understand that the demons feared Him. But you must also remember that He is fully man. And Jesus never cheated by using His divine power to do miracles and help Himself out of difficult situations. Matthew 4, verse 3 and 4, Satan says, If you're the Son of God, turn, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus doesn't do so. doesn't quickly just help out Himself and cheat using His divine power. No. He trusts His Father to send the Spirit to empower Him to do these things. Yes, he can do it in his divine power if he wanted to. But he decided not to, but to wait on his Father to send the Spirit. And the Father did send the Spirit when he was baptized in verse 10. You see the Spirit descending on him. But Jesus also daily, he had to trust his Father. Every day for fresh wisdom, new wisdom, new strength through the word and prayer. Like in verse 35, rising to pray. Like in Isaiah 50 verse 4, a prophecy about the Christ, the Messiah. Where it says, morning by morning, the Messiah speaking. He, referring to the Father, He wakens me. He wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. So that I may have a word to speak with the one who is weary and so on. And the question is, do you and I do the same? Listen, without regular time with the Lord, you will become weak. You will be weak. You will be as weak as someone who only eats every three or four days, who only eats once a week. If you're going to just spend time in prayer or time in the Word once a week or once every four days, you'll be weak. And where that happens, you're a soft target for the devil and, and Satan will overpower you. Jesus said 
In Mark 9, verse 28 and 29, when the disciples said, why couldn't we cast out the demon? He said, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. And some translations or manuscripts, Greek manuscripts, by fasting and prayer. Or through fasting and prayer. So, I'm not trying to speak here about casting out demons. I'm trying to speak about having, having power over the evil one, like Jesus in verse 39. You will only have that uh, withstanding Satan's temptations and false teachings and, and the lurement and the temptations of the world if you have regular time in the Word and prayer. Otherwise, you're like a sick wildebeest. You're a soft target, and Satan's going to get at you. And Satan knows. Satan knows you can conquer, you can overcome him through the Word and prayer and the armor of God by faith, like Jesus did here. And so, because he knows that, he will keep you busy. And he will whisper all kinds of excuses in your ear for why you simply do not have time for devotions. Why you have no time for the word and prayer. Or even if you do have time and you do make time for the word and for prayer, then the devil will tempt you to daydream while you're busy in the word and busy with prayer and you're not really focusing. So, so it's important then to pray for the Lord's protection before you begin. And say, please protect me against the devil and his temptation to... Make me daydream and make me think of other things. And I'd even suggest that you read aloud or that you pray aloud or mutter under your breath just to help you focus better. Because if you don't focus, well then, then your prayers and, and your time with the Lord is as ineffective as a parrot reciting the Lord's Prayer. That's just ineffective. He just knows the sounds. And if that's the case, then your prayers, it's just dead ritual rather than a living relationship with the Almighty God. But if you do, if you do focus on the Lord and you do so daily through the word and prayer and you walk with the Lord in obedience, then your life will be like a healthy fruit tree planted by the riverside. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, would you make us such people? We know this is foundational stuff. Oh Lord, help us. Help us in our time in prayer, and as we learned last week, our time in the Word, that we would truly give ourselves to you, to listening to you and calling upon you and worshipping you. For Jesus' sake, amen.